the iPhone 9 and iPhone 9 Plus. Hey. All right. What's up? Home button. No touch ID. Wait, wait. Well, I'm sorry. No face ID. I was about to say, wait, no touch ID, but they have a home yeah, button? No that's, face ID. That's, it would be a that's touch a strategy. ID. That's a strategy. It would have the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro's A14 processor. It would have the iPhone 11's wide camera, which supports 4K 60, 4 gigabytes of RAM, 64 gigabytes of storage. And what's interesting is it would be replacing the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, which Apple still sells. But mm-hmm. the eight starts at four fifty. This would start at three ninety nine. So for fifty dollars less, really? you're basically getting all the internals of the currently shipping iPhone eleven, rather than what was inside of the iPhone ten. So getting a two generation jump. So then this is not the iPhone SE replacement, is that right? It will be. It will be. Well, it's not calling it the SE. I right. think the difference is. We talked about this last week for a little bit. The iPhone SE was about preserving the phone's size. Right. And I think the iPhone 9 is about preserving the home button. Okay. Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am still John Rettinger. And I'm Adam Dowd. Oh, Joy. I don't get to to say that. You're the gun special guest. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I, I I thought that was a thing. You know what? Geared Up is your weekly look at the world of tech. And we do have a special guest this week. It is Adam Dowd. Adam, Yay! you're the pro at introducing yourself, obviously. So <laughs> rather than me doing it, why don't you let the people know who you are, why you're here, what you do, etc.? I'm more of a talented amateur, but I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I'm Adam Dowd, a freelance tech writer, podcaster, and uh, host of the newly launched Benefit of the Dowd podcast. So check that out on Twitter and benefitofdowd.com. I see what you did there. Now, listen, you were also previously, I appeared on your previous show. You did. Which was based on the Android operating system, Android smartphones, etc. Now that you've moved on from that... Would you still consider yourself to be more on the Android side of things or was that just a gig? Are you agnostic? Where do you fall? Okay, so I have been fairly tech agnostic most of my career. I started off at Pocket Now as kind of like a Windows Phone fan. That's how far back Ooh. I go. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, when I was at Pocket Now, I realized that really the only way to provide insightful and thoughtful commentary on any tech was to be familiar with as much tech as possible. So I'm kind of proud of the fact that in one year at Pocket Now, I used four different operating systems as a daily driver. (laughs) So I had uh, I had Windows Phone, I had iOS, I had Android and I had BlackBerry OS, if you can believe it, for about a month. So ever since then, I mean, like within reach of me right now, I have four different operating systems. I'm talking to you on a Mac. I've got an iPad sitting next to me. I've got the LG V60 as my daily driver phone. And I've got a Windows laptop that is I'm not using it right now, but I use it regularly. So and there you go. John holding up the V60. My LG V60. Without the dual screen case. I know it's a solid phone. (laughs) <laughs> no, the, the, the dual screen case is nice, but it makes it way too big of a thick boy to yeah, uh, carry, Wait a carry minute. around. Wait a minute. Anywhere. Wait a minute. If you put it in the dual screen and close it and you put it next to a folded Galaxy Fold, 
Don't talk. Don't dare blaspheme. Are you trying to tell me? Don't blaspheme my Galaxy Fold. You you have to understand, Andrew, that the LG V60 by itself, without the dual screen case, is a big chunk of a phone. I mean, it is. is. It's got a really good feel and weight to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's a good, hefty boy. But yeah, you add that dual screen case onto it. And there are some jeans that I own that I can't even get it all the way into the pocket. It still sticks <laughs> out the top. That's how crazy big yeah. this phone is. And he's right. Andrew, while you're right about the thickness being the same, the width of the LG is much, much wider than the width of the fold closed. So it's you're adding almost a third. I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Podcast. I, I can't put it up on camera and show right. you, but it's it's a much, much wider phone. But it's arguably the width of what the fold should be, but that's probably a different conversation. Uh, I have like dreams about the fold too. Like I, I am like, I, I cannot wait for, I, I can talk about the fold every podcast, any podcast at any time, <laughs> but I'm going to give the floor back to the guest here. Wait, how's, um, how are you doing with the Z flip? Another foldable. I like the Z flip. You move on from it. Yeah, I, I have moved on from it. It didn't. I like the novel factor of it and the folding factor is nice. It doesn't give me anything new though. Yeah. Or anything different rather. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I've got it listed up on Swappa to sell. It was fun to play with. The fold is just, it's a different experience. It gives me something different than opening up into a regular phone. I think if you wear tight pants or you carry a phone in a purse, then the Z flip is awesome. And that, that's a mm-hmm. reason for that phone to exist. I don't wear the tightest pants. I don't the reason for the phone to exist is for people with tight pants or who carry their phone in a purse. It's fairly yeah, I niche, so. but I can't I disagree. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the difference between, in my opinion, which I don't think many people have truly pinpointed, the difference between a folding phone and a folding tablet. Uh, and fair. I think the agreement is that a folding phone has less utility than a folding tablet. You fold a tablet in half fit it in your pants pocket or however you would carry around your typical smartphone. Right. But to be able to fold out into a tablet that's in your pocket, it has way more utility than just folding your phone in half. Indeed. And for, I would, I would also me, yeah. argue that the LG dual screen case adds a lot of utility to a phone. Like just to give an example, the other day I was sitting there playing a game on my phone and my son came up and said, Hey, I ran out of time on my phone. Can you give me like another hour? And like, while I was playing the game, I flipped open the case and brought up family link on the left-hand side and added an hour to his time, flipped it back. and just went back to my game without even stopping. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. Cool. Not bad. Yeah. Now, before we jump into the tech news of the week, I want to make sure that I'm not the outlier. Have you guys been enjoying any Tiger King? No, I have not watched it. (laughs) Wow. I have not. I'm perhaps saving it. I have not been watching the craziness evidently is, is Tiger King. No, I've actually gotten back into book reading this year. 2020 was like the year of the books for me. (laughs) So I used to be a, a voracious reader and like I just stopped for like four years and when 2020 came around i made a new year's resolution i want to get back into reading and i've probably polished off what are we in april i think like a dozen books since january just because that's what i've been doing with my spare time but uh, yeah so i mean i haven't gotten into a lot of the media and all of a sudden i kind of ran out of stuff to watch but i mean i could definitely check that out okay but basically you guys are doing more productive things than i am i'm over here watching shows about people Look, Andrew, Andrew, it's not a contest. Only big cats. It's not a contest, but we're totally winning. <laughs> what about uh, Animal Crossing? Any Animal Crossing out there between you two guys? 
My it's son everywhere. has a Switch. I do not have the Switch. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't play Animal Crossing, to John. be honest. John. Listen, I'm playing a lot of Switch <laughs> with my kids. Um, but we've been playing, honestly, it's been like Mario, Mario Kart, and Smash Brothers. The good ones. The classics. Yeah, I have yeah. not been getting into the Animal Crossing. There, there's My island is lonely. My <laughs> island is empty. At, le- uh, at least lot, you have an island like real man. life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of Mario, did you hear the rumor yesterday that yes. based on the 35th anniversary of the original Mario game that Nintendo was going to be releasing remastered versions of basically every Mario game ever made? Really? I'm on the clapping Switch. here. It's going to be I cannot wait. Fantastic. I missed that news, but that is exciting. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, Mario goes, you know, that's like my roots in gaming. And unfortunately, it's about where I stopped in gaming too. <laughs> it was, was right in that Mario era. Like I played, you know, Mario Kart on the Wii. I think that's like the most recent Mario gaming that I've done. But I'm not a Wii. gamer. I never have been a gamer and I don't apologize for that. Okay. <laughs> I remember the first time I played, it was just Mario, Bros. not even Super Mario Bros. Just Mario Bros. The one that had like the little yeah. levels and turtles coming through. Sure. I was so short that I had to stand on like a milk crate to <laughs> get up to the joystick and to see everything. But I, I vividly remember it like it happened last week. That was my introduction to gaming. I must have been like four years old. That is a can picture, adorable. I can picture young Andrew Edwards, <laughs> shaved head. Standing on a milk crate yep. with a shaved head, deep, no less. Deep voice. <laughs> uh, what's up with this uh, Mario guy? Uh, hey, can't you let see me, my let quarter me tell on you the machine? What, yeah, what this Mario needs is more resolution. We need 4K, 8K. What kind of brand deal does this guy have? Yeah. No. Okay. Who's okay. This, okay. Let's what's Mario trying to sell me? <laughs> First big news of the week actually just came this morning. T-Mobile and Sprint have completed their merger that they've been trying to do. They tried to do this a few years ago. It got stopped, then they announced it again, and it took a couple of years, but as of today, officially, John Ledger has stepped down as CEO of T-Mobile, and Sprint and T-Mobile are now one. Weird, right? Yeah. Very weird. What's also interesting to me is that despite the merger, they are still number three in size. So T-Mobile was third, Sprint was fourth, and combined together... They are still smaller than both Verizon and AT&T. With their forces combined, we are Yes, with their forces combined. Which is honestly probably why the merger was allowed to go through in the first place. So I like your optimism on that by still saying they're third instead of saying that they are last. That was a much uh, (laughs) much nicer way of saying it. The reason I said that is because as part of the deal, in order to get it approved, T Mobile. I forget which side, but I believe it was T-Mobile had to sell off a bunch of Spectrum and I believe one of their MVMOs yeah, to Dish. So now Dish Network is going to be able to piggyback onto the new T-Mobile for the next seven years. But the expectation is that they will become a fourth national phone carrier. Can I share some insight on that? Please do. Please. Dish is actually licensing out a lot of that spectrum to AT&T, to Verizon, and some even back to the new T-Mobile Sprint. So I think that Dish may not end up being the carrier that people expected they are. They might just be essentially a holding company for the spectrum, which is interesting. I will say, though, so some news came out today with the merger that T-Mobile is claiming they will offer 5G to 90% of Americans. Mm Mm-hmm which is pretty awesome. And they're saying average speeds of around 100 
down, which is pretty solid. I mean, that's a strong LTE connection. It's not millimeter wave, but it's it's pretty solid sub six. Right. Yeah, especially if that's, oh, yeah. a, if that's a consistent 100, you can oh, yeah. very easily live with that. And also, I think the big deal here and why I think the merger got approved, speeds for rural Americans, they said around 50, which for a lot that's of folks who live, in, who live in rural areas, they're struggling to get one or right. two. And even their ISPs get them maybe 10. Right, right. Correct. Yeah, so p- terrible. potentially good for consumers and no plan changes, I believe, for five years. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, T-Mobile launched that $15 5G plan that they promised would be part of this package where for like 15 bucks, I want to see you get like two gigs of 5G data, which I mean, you, you click on the wrong stream and that's gone in an hour. <laughs> and you're done. Um, yeah. Right. But there's no overages with that. I think you actually have to buy additional bandwidth, you know, which is kind of a throwback to the medieval times of data connectivity. But yeah. now I am a T-Mobile subscriber and Ever since I got the LG V60, I've been trying out like the 5G and I'm going to call it the 5G ish of T-Mobile because it ain't 100. (laughs) It ain't 50. I live in the suburbs of Chicago, so it's a fairly metropolitan area. But I mean, Mm -hmm. like I'm half an hour west of O'Hare, so it's not like I'm in an urban center or anything. But even so, around here, I'm getting maybe 12, give or take. So, I mean, like I want to see how the Sprint network is going to bolster this and actually get us up to that 100 megabits per second down, if it can. Well, that was 5G though, right, John? Yeah, we're not going to see anything for two, three years, really any tangible result on this 5G merger, really any speeds that we're expecting, I think, for a very long time. I think carriers right now are putting more of the resources, keeping their networks up and running, especially in places like New York, where the networks are being strained due to the current situation. Yeah, right. I think we need to give some props, though. This kind of really is the end of an era. Oh, yeah. When John Ledger stepped in as CEO, T-Mobile was a distant fourth place behind Sprint. And he, through various uncarrier initiatives, was able to take it to not just beating Sprint by a little bit, but substantially took it from a distant fourth place to a solid competitor T-Mobile used to have a terrible reputation, and he ended up changing the industry in a lot of ways, getting rid of things like phone contracts, two-year contracts for your phone plans. Mm -hmm. International data. Yes. A lot of things that he did ended up changing the industry, kind of where you'll see in hardware, for example, Apple might do something or Samsung might do something, and a year or two later, everyone else is doing it because... Well, if they're doing it, we can't be left out. T-Mobile came in from behind, started doing these things, and everyone else had to catch up. Yeah. Even unlimited data that we're seeing yeah. nowadays. You used to have to pay how much data do you want, and here are the different packages based on how much data you want. Now, almost every plan is either unlimited data or one limited option. Right. So shout out to John Ledger. Agreed. Good job. Totally agreed. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future. I'm going to miss John Ledger as CEO of that company because, damn, that yeah. guy was fun. <laughs> that guy was Boisterous. so much fun. And I used to look forward to uncarrier events just to see the kind of Same. crap that he was going to pull. Yes. And one thing that I wanted to do for the Android Authority podcast, which I never got a chance to do, was when John Ledger stepped down, which actually was supposed to be in May. If I remember correctly, the original announcement said he would be there until May 1st and then he would step down. So today it was just kind of like, oh, he's gone. All right. Um, (laughs) So I wanted to put together a like a kind of like a greatest 
pits of John Ledger at these conferences because man, the stuff that this of, guy a lot said. Of F-bombs. Oh a yeah, lot of F-bombs. oh totally. That's it. That's all um, it is. So I might still do that on my other podcast, but it kind of loses its flavor now that <laughs> now that he's already no, gone. He's gone. But yeah, I just I love that guy, and I would also like to take a moment, you know, because. T-Mobile changed the conversation for a lot of carriers, but I think yeah. it's also a time to recognize RIP Sprint, which means that WebOS is officially, officially dead now. So Not yeah. really. Yeah. Not really, because <laughs> if you buy an LG OLED TV, the smart TV OS that it runs is WebOS. Eh. That's in, in, hey, hey, there, there's, is. I mean, yes, in name. It's sure. WebOS-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Can we call this the Ish podcast? <laughs> Web o Webo Ish. Yeah, Webo Ish. There you go. <laughs> Let's move on to smartphone news. I like smartphone news right now because yeah. it gives us a time to check in with John to see. Although, do we need to check in anymore? I feel like you've kind of just you've assimilated over. You've I, left I iOS as far as um mobile you still have ios like ipads and stuff like that you still have your iphones but on a daily basis you've kind of assimilated over and i think you're like kind of done right you're just there now i'm full-time android on my phone and you know for those that maybe haven't been following the story i was very into the weeds with with the iphone and ios and i was having a hard time remaining objective with my reviews of android phones generally when i reviewed an android device i would carry a second device i'd use it for a couple weeks do my review and i went back to the iphone yeah i found that i was missing nuances of the operating system, missing nuances of the devices. And my experience sharing it publicly felt disingenuous while trying to review these phones. So I figured the best way, and I did this about two and a half months ago now, uh, was just to completely switch to Android. Like just 100% just right. make the switch and use that as my only phone and then evaluate the operating system that way. And that way at least I could understand it a little bit better. And I, just, I wanted to be honest about it. So I did it. Yeah. And you're feeling good. Kind of sounds good. Yeah. Kind of sounds similar to the situation I was talking about before, where it's like, you know, in order to really evaluate every operating system, you kind of got to use everything. You got to get a sense as to what everything is doing. So if you're just doing iOS and you're like, okay, I'll use the Samsung phone for a week, you're going to miss a lot. So that's, that's, I totally agree. I salute you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. It seemed important to do. So I've been, it's been the process moving forward. Yeah. So let's talk about the next big, I don't know if it's big, but definitely a hyped phone that, yeah. is, that is on the horizon. The OnePlus 8. OnePlus actually, it's interesting when carriers or manufacturers rather do this. So they have an event where they're going to announce the phone officially later this month. However, mm-hmm. OnePlus themselves did a forum post on their own forums confirming a lot of the features that this phone is going to have. So basically, imagine... If Apple was going to announce an iPhone and then two weeks prior to the announcement, (laughs) they release a press release telling you multiple things about the phone before they show it off on stage. That just just wouldn't happen. Yeah, that would never happen. So it's just it's interesting that they did this. But let's run through some of the these are confirmed, not rumored features of the upcoming OnePlus 8. So first up is a 120 hertz display. Yay! Nice. Last year at the OnePlus 7 event, OnePlus 7 Pro launched with a 90 hertz display, which at the time was the first phone to have that feature. Mm -hmm. And now a year later, 30 hertz, if they were to launch a 90 hertz phone, it'd be like, wait, why is your phone, you know, lagging behind the competition? Do we know though officially if it's going to be a OnePlus 8 Pro or just they're going to launch a OnePlus 8? Is it going to come to one phone and not the other? 
That's a good question. Yeah, because me, OnePlus has been kind of fracturing. Now, I don't, I don't want to use that word because that's not right. But, you know, it used to be very straightforward. Here's the OnePlus 5. Here's the OnePlus 5T. But ever since we got into like, what was it? The OnePlus 7, I think they started doing the 7 yeah. and the 7 Pro and the 7T Pro and the 7 Pro T and the 7... Mm-hmm. Look over there. Here's a phone, you know, (laughs) so this has just become kind of a one plus thing to do is to have like several different variants depending on regionality. Yeah, right. So it looks like this is technically a pro. Have they confirmed two different phones or are they just going to combine them again? Well, this post refers to the OnePlus 8 Pro. So I'm going to assume if there's a pro, that must mean that there's an otherwise, why would you call it pro? There must be a non pro version. Sure. So we're talking about the pro here, which will be released in the USA. Snapdragon 865, which we've seen in the LG V60 and the Samsung Galaxy S20 lineup. It's the latest from Qualcomm, which we're pretty much going to see any Android flagship this year ship with 25% increase in CPU, graphics, and efficiency. They're also using LPDDR5 RAM, so it's faster RAM with 45% less power consumption. Where, where, which, are you getting these, where are you getting this from? This is from OnePlus. They made a post on the OnePlus forums. Got it. In the most OnePlus possible way yeah. yes and and then the person who wrote this post by the way is the ceo of oneplus so this is okay so we can probably probably we can trust it oh yeah probably oh, yeah. ufs 3.0 storage so that's faster storage you've seen this in iphones for about four years now very fast storage when transferring and accessing data mm-hmm. 5g compatibility which is another one of those boxes you're just kind of checking this year yeah but I wonder if it's going to be like the McLaren where it's just going to work with sub six or if it'll use the X55, right. you know, that can work theoretically with millimeter wave and also it's kind of universal for every carrier. That's what I'm wondering as well. It seems like it seems like they're making these phones sub six unless they make a Verizon specific version for millimeter wave. I don't know if OnePlus is going to do that, too. Yeah, but but it seems carriers, like others I mean, are doing a- that. AT&T is millimeter wave. Right. Right. It's- but, so why, for example... If you get an LG V60 or you get a Galaxy S20, not the Plus or not the Ultra, just S20, you can only get those phones with millimeter wave if you get the Verizon variant. Yeah, I I don't know because other carriers are doing millimeter wave. Obviously, it's it's small areas and not that giant of a deal right now. But I don't don't know why it's not just like it's 5G for all the different flavors of of 5G. Well, I think it's also because Verizon is not doing any sub-6 at all so when oh really when Verizon, as far as i it's been a long time since i've checked i'll be honest but the last time i checked the only 5g service that verizon had was millimeter waves so that's kind of what they're that's 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 probably that's what they're building their hopes and dreams on very limiting though oh yes so here's hoping at least that this will support everything similar to like yes the s20 plus and the s20 ultra do right right exactly now that's it for the official news rumors that we've seen also include things like wireless charging and IP68 water resistance. This would be the first OnePlus phone to support wireless charging, if that's the case. Yeah, they've been pretty staunch against that for a while. Yeah, I'll yeah, believe I it why. when I see it, honestly. And then colors. For me, I don't know how you guys feel about colors. For me, Where are you, where are you getting these rumors from, though? The rumors are from multiple mobile websites, The Verge and Gadget, 9to5Mac, even though it's not an Apple product. So all over the place, people are talking about these rumors, mm-hmm. but they match up. And usually when you're this close to a phone yeah. launch two weeks away, rumors are, they're still rumors, but they're fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. So as far as colors go, I don't usually care about colors too much, but I see so many people out there that they fall over themselves. Like, I can't wait to get this color in my pocket. Yeah. So <laughs> seafoam green, 
Ultramarine Blue, Interstellar Glow, and Onyx Black. Are you guys color fiends when it comes to smartphones? So I'm going to jump in real fast. So I look at Win Future, and I'm looking at this article that 9to5 Google syndicated. They evidently have some renders of these colors. Mm-hmm. Again, I'll believe wireless charging when I see it. <laughs> that was like Apple adding wireless charging. You stand outside <laughs> with an umbrella and say it's going to rain. One day you'll be right. Right. Yes. <laughs> but I've been I've been wrong standing out there on beautiful days with my umbrella for so long. So I'm not saying yes or no to wireless charging. I'm all for colors, though. I am all for different colors. Yeah. Yeah. And I put a case on every single phone that I use slash review. But I, it's always a clear case because I enjoy I enjoy colorways on my phones, you know, especially the white from the V60 that I got. I, I forget what the official name of it is, but you've got a bluish a blue one, a blue one. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I got the I got the white one, which is really I like it. I, it's like silky, pearly white. I really love it. Is it gold on the outside? It is silver. Silver, because yeah. it's, it's blue and gold. I think that looks great. I think white and gold would have looked awesome. Yeah, so there's the. Uh, That's looking good. Yeah. I don't use cases at all. There are a couple things that I would like to see from whatever the OnePlus 8 or 8 Pro or whatever they end up announcing. Yeah. I want to see improvements on camera. I think that's been one area where OnePlus has been. They've been so far ahead on so many other things. Yeah. The camera has been. They've always been good cameras. But I think if they can take that leap from good to great. Yeah. The next OnePlus phone probably will have everything. It is. I mean, it'll probably check. I imagine every box, right? You know, it's going to have insane power and probably ridiculous amount of RAM because they always do that. Their build quality has gotten top notch. You know, their UI is incredible, I think, from what they have and how it's how customizable it is. I think it's even better than a lot of stock Android. Controversial opinion that I hold. The OnePlus UI is okay, not great. (laughs) But but again, that's the beauty of choice and, you know, launchers as an option. But if they just get the optics right. Yeah. I cannot see how this would not be a home run because they're always priced competitively. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Are they in with all carriers at this point? Shoot, I don't remember. All I remember is T-Mobile. And I want to say they announced AT&T availability at least. I don't know if they had all four. I know it'll work. At least the sevens work with AT&T completely. I don't know okay. if they're ever sold by AT&T, but you could you know, bring your own device. Right. But I don't believe Wi-Fi calling worked on the seven with AT&T. That's mm. an issue for you. It did with T-Mobile, which I think was the official carrier partner of it. And then there have been rumors of Verizon support, but nothing confirmed. So okay. again... I'll believe it when I see it with wireless charging. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's move on to another rumored phone that should be coming this month and about two weeks away. The iPhone 9 and iPhone 9 Plus. Hey. All right. What's up? Home button. No touch ID. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. No face ID. I was about to say, wait, no touch ID, but they have a home button? No face ID. That's a strategy. It would have the iPhone 11 and 11 Pro's A14 processor. It would have the iPhone 11's wide camera, which supports 4K 60, 4 gigabytes of RAM, 64 gigabytes of storage. And what's interesting is it would be replacing the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, which Apple still sells. But mm-hmm. the eight starts at four fifty. This would start at three ninety nine. So for fifty dollars less, really? you're basically getting all the internals of the currently shipping iPhone eleven rather than what was inside of the iPhone ten. So getting a two generation jump. So then this is not the iPhone SE replacement. Is that I mean, right? It will be. It will be. Well, There's not calling it the SE. I right. think the difference is We talked about this last week for a little bit. The iPhone SE was about preserving the phone's size. Right. right, And I think the iPhone 9 is about preserving 
the home button. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of people who are scared to make the jump to face ID slash losing the home button that they've become so accustomed to over the past decade yeah. that Apple is going to release a new model that'll give you all the power of the current phones, mm-hmm. but keeps that interface that you're used to. For those folks at home, these phones should look aesthetically identical to the 8 and yeah. the 8 Plus, just with right. the internals essentially from a combo of the 11 and the 11 Pro. So yes. they're, they're going to look identical, screen size, everything to those phones. So what I'm particularly interested in with these phones is I want to know what the optics are going to be like, because if they're going to have iPhone 11 optics, as far as like the camera is concerned, then yeah. I can pretty much guarantee I will be picking one of these up because I wouldn't mind just shooting video with it, like just in general, just using that for the few videos that I actually do these days. I wouldn't mind just carrying around an iPhone just for the optics of it. Yeah. And so the optics will be the difference here is that the iPhone 11 has the wide and the ultra wide. And then the 11 Pro has the telephoto as well. Right. This would just have the wide. So no ultra. It would just have yeah. one camera okay. on the rear. But that's the main camera. So it's the camera that most people use anyway. Mm-hmm. And no reason to think it wouldn't have the optics from the 11. So it'll be solid for still solid for video. Lower price point. Apple's already recouped the R&D costs on the iPhone 8 body style. So there's no additional cost for them that they're passing on to the consumer. This phone is a lot of profit built in. What's interesting about this is if it's using the components from the 11 and the 11 Pro, that's reducing the costs of the components. Oh, yeah. For people who want to buy the 11 and 11 Pro, right? If there's R&D costs, if they sell a certain amount of processors to be redeemed, the more they can move the more profit they can make. Presumably those prices could come down and we could see those potentially see a price drop, especially in the current economic climate. Yeah, absolutely. Which is interesting. Speaking of which, there have been so many rumors about the next iPhone, not the iPhone 9, talking about the iPhone, whether it's the 12 or the 11S, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. And the timing on whether it's going to launch on time in September, if it'll be delayed to October, if it won't come until Q1, no, I, chance of, no, no chance of coming. Oh, September. that would be terrible. I know a couple <laughs> of people who should know, who should be in the know, inside, if you will. Oh. And from what I've heard, now, obviously, people are working from home. People are, for the first time yeah. at Apple, able to take currently in development products outside mm-hmm. of the campus, which is crazy. Which is crazy. Absolutely. But what I've heard is Apple has several products in the pipeline, but what they're doing is... They are pulling people off of other products to work on the iPhone to ensure that as much as they can, that the iPhone launches at or as close to its launch time frame and everything Mm -hmm. else can, if everything else is delayed, that's fine. iPhone needs to be priority. The manufacturing has got to be behind, right? Yeah, that was my concern. It's it's not so much the production of the phone, it's the supply chain. But over in China, they're saying, at least Foxconn is saying they're back on track Really? And the mass production for the next phone usually doesn't start until May. So that's about a month away anyway. Mm -hmm. So that being the case, there is a chance that everything goes off as planned. However, I think the bigger challenge actually is not the hardware because hardware starts like three years in advance. I think it might be iOS 14. Okay. And the fact that people are splintered all over working from home, I think iOS 14 might be the delay. Mm, okay, I can see that. So I have similar sources, people who, who should be in the know, and I've heard similar and conflicting things. So I've heard the same thing about iOS 14. 
that it'll be announced with all the features and the features will get kind of rolled out in subsequent not 14.0 mm-hmm. updates, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be right. one or dot oh one and dot two. These will start to come. I've heard that as well. What I've heard that's conflicting was that while manufacturing does start in May, in February, March, and April, it's when a lot of the executives make their trips to China to the factories to yes. see the production lines. Mm, okay. And that's being delayed, obviously. Sure. Travels, mm-hmm. you know, travels being shut down. So unless they found a way to mitigate that, and then the p- people I talked to didn't know if they were or if they had contingency plans in place, and they assumed yep. knowing Apple that they did have contingency plans in place. But the people who usually go to check out and approve the timelines and such have not been able to do so Mm. and presumably will not be able to do so until end of May, early June, which would put a launch from September essentially to when the launch of the iPhone 10 was around December. Mm. See, that's interesting because before the holidays. See, that's interesting because I have no sources and I have heard nothing about this. So, yeah. (laughs) There you go. So The the truth is probably somewhere in between. Apple wants it to launch on time. They're probably going to do what they can to make it happen. I would imagine supply will not be as abundant as it's been in recent years, if I was to guess. If I had to put money on it, I would say that Apple's September event probably happens early October and probably launches shortly after that. I think there has to be some kind of delay. But the big question is whether or not the current situation that we're going through right now is going to be resolved by then. And, you know, whether or not this will be an in-person event or an online event or a press release like we got for the uh, the MacBook Air and the uh, iPad Pro. So, you know, it is just a question of what that's going to look like. Definitely not a press release for an iPhone. They they will not do a press release if they have to have a virtual conference with piped in like track noise they will do that <laughs> um, they'll have a laugh track in the background <laughs> yes <laughs> craig you're so funny anyway. <laughs> so that's the iphone news coming up after the break we have some tips some thoughts on working from home staying connected etc in the current true times. We, have, we have all of those things yes we do yes we do coming up next on geared up Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental Story of the Week. As you know, Geared Up is sponsored by National Car Rental. And if you don't know, I also do a show with National Car Rental on YouTube called Technically Speaking, where I bring you the latest, my picks for the best tech for business travel. Whether you're business traveling or even whether you're going for leisure travel, there's a lot of tech out there that can make your travel more efficient or even more fun. You can check these episodes out at the nationalcar.com control center or go to youtube.com slash nationalcarrent. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. Big shout out once again to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. Now for the National Car Rental story of the week, we are talking about working from home and staying connected. Routines, how you stay connected with family in a world where we're practicing social distancing. I've worked from home for, oh my God, like 16 years so this is just you yeah yeah this is me i have a routine down what's interesting though is as much as i have no problem working from home i have my routine i can get my work done but for some reason the second that i'm told hey stay home is when i'm like no i need to get out (laughs) if you're gonna tell me to stay home now i want to go out if you wouldn't have said anything i would stay home so (laughs) but aside from that i think developing a routine especially if you're new to working from home, you're used to going to an office every day, seeing your peers every day. 
developing a, a routine is important. John, you yeah. you used to have a commute that you would do several times yeah. per week, even though you work for yourself. How have things changed for you? Do you have any recommendations for people that are yeah. that are approaching this for the first time? I don't know how similar to similar my situation is to others that might be listening, but I was driving to Claremont about 40-ish minutes each way where I was filming. Whew. And then we sort of stopped at, and April 1st, today, I was supposed to sign a lease and move into a new studio. Oh. Very close. That was supposed to be the day. I, was, I did not sign the lease. Mm, okay. Was, you know, things went south. Right. So I had been filming from home in the interim for about the past month or so in between. And actually, it had been fine. I'm trying to work around like my daughter's naps, not getting in yep. my wife's way was kind of tricky. But, yeah. you know, now with my kids at home all the time, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I imagine for a lot of people, too, they're doing, you know, these video conferencing calls and they've got kids climbing all over the place. There's pets jumping all over them. It's a very different reality than it was. And with, you know, jobs perhaps being tenuous, there was some advice that I got. And most people here, I think, know me from the online space, but I worked a lot of jobs before this. I was an assistant at an entire ad agency. I was the lowest person at the at a 250 person company. <laughs> I worked at Hollywood Video before that, and I sold shoes at a sporting goods store. So I worked plenty of jobs where I can appreciate the blessing that I have now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes no talent to show up early. It takes no special ability to be the first one in the office, virtual or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it takes no talent or skill to be the last one to leave. And in times like this, those things go a long way towards managers and for partners. So that's my little bit of advice Mm -hmm. that I just thought I'd put out there. Work, keep working and people will people will notice. So that was that was my bit of advice. And as far as working from home, trying to separate sort of family from home is really hard. And Andrew, I don't know how you do yeah. that. You know, you are from home all the time. You know, but that's hard. And your your wife breeds dogs. Like, how are you finding time to <laughs> to film when you've got, you know, little puppies running around? You it's got, crazy. You have your son. I mean, you got there's a lot of people. How do you do it? Well, like right now, for example, we're recording a podcast. I'm at home. My wife, so we have a two-story home. My wife is downstairs. And she can keep it generally quiet. Sometimes when we're recording, I'll have to say, hey, John, can you hear that? Okay, let's wait a minute because like someone will ring the doorbell and the dogs will go crazy. But other than that, it's not too difficult because I'm either researching, doing research to plan a video or I'm recording a video, which then if that happens, we trade. So she'll go upstairs. I'll go downstairs, which, which is where I record. And usually once I hit the record button, I can get through a video in about 20 minutes on average. So if I just get 20 minutes or, you know, if I'm interrupted once or twice, roughly 20 to 30 minutes of quiet, I'm good for at least one piece of content. Right. Yeah. So we have that routine kind of down. We're, we're actually still in the process right now of buying a larger home that'll allow us each to have like our own dedicated not just like someone's upstairs, someone's downstairs, but like she wow, would have her you, own my friend. Nice, yeah, yes, office in the basement. I'd have my own office area, like totally separate, noise protected and all that. So we're continuing the process for now, but things are still crazy out there. So we're, we're also kind of like, should we, should we keep moving forward with this? I mean, everything, the numbers look fine, but who knows what's going to happen with yeah. either of our home-based businesses. Right. Yeah. In my world, my wife is a teacher, so her school has been shut down for about three weeks now. And I have two small kids, one in third grade, one in seventh grade. Their schools have Mm -hmm. been shut down 
through at least April 30th. So we're not sure what's going to happen after that. My wife. So are they not doing any uh, virtual learning? Oh, they learning? are. Oh, yeah. They're, they are. Okay. They are doing virtual learning. And my wife is counting the number of states that have shut down school for the rest of the year. We're up to mm-hmm. eight now, FYI. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I don't know if she's rooting for that or not, though, because honestly, I'm not sure how well this is working. But anyway, so when it became clear that this is going to become a long term thing, my office is a corner of our family room. And, you know, that's where like our TV is and our washing machine and stuff like that. So my office has always been here. So my wife had a desk in our bedroom. We moved that down into the family room and we rearranged like a whole bunch of furniture this past weekend. And so I actually have an office mate now for the first time in three years, which is kind of exciting. (laughs) We have a couple of student desks that we've picked up from like school closings and stuff like that. We just picked them up because it would be nice. So we Mm -hmm. set those up for our kids. We bought a whiteboard and we mounted it on the wall so we could write out their assignments and like the assignments that they have to do and cross them off. But yeah, so I mean, it has been a fairly major change. Right now I have all, I live in a split level house with no doors. So like our bedrooms have <laughs> doors, but that's it. Our kitchen and our living room. You have an open floor it's plan. It's an open floor plan. Yeah. So whenever I podcast, which as you know, happens quite frequently in my, in my line of work, I need to send all of them upstairs into our room with the door closed. And God bless them. They're so nice about it. <laughs> but... But as far as like working from home, one of the big things is establish your routine and get it going. And uh, another thing, solid advice. Now, I've been working from home for about three years now. And one thing that always helped me was the fact that I needed to wake up in the morning and take my daughter to school. So Mm. once I did that, I came home and I would start working. That was like my routine. Now, that's been disrupted. So (laughs) since I stopped sleeping for the last three weeks, so it's like I don't wake up at eight o'clock or actually it used to be six. But since I don't wake up that early anymore, it's been hard to get back down here to the desk and get working so that I'm not sitting here at 10 o'clock at night. But that's important is if you can establish a routine, you know, and I'm going to repeat a lot of the things that I've heard a lot of other people say, set your alarm, wake up, brush your teeth, eat breakfast, get dressed as if you are going to work and then come down and sit at your desk. So if you keep that morning routine going as if you are still commuting to work, it's going to make a huge difference in your productivity throughout the day. So for what it's worth. That's my advice. I also have another friend who's been working from home for about 10 years. And his advice was make sure you go somewhere every day, if possible, like get out of the house, at least go for a walk. In my case, it was taking my daughter to school. Just leave the house for whatever reason. And these days it's only to walk around, (laughs) but um, you can't like go to a restaurant or anything, but try to get out and go somewhere to hit the reset button. Don't get stir crazy. And this is most important. Do not forget to turn off your heater when you're podcasting, which I just did. So (laughs) important. So, John, I've always recorded my videos on my own. So I set up my lights. I set up my sound. I set up my camera, everything by myself. And I know you've been using a crew or at least, you know, you had been. How has that changed for you? That whole process of creating video content? It's been different. So we had uh, videos already recorded. Most of those are going up with one exception. The first video was sort of the new kind of vloggy setup. Should be going up later on this week. So we had to change how we did stuff. I picked up a switch pod and a Sony camcorder. I'm sort of filming myself a lot more. Mm-hmm. So the style of the video definitely has to change. 
And I'm hoping that the audience responds to it or at the very least understands it. Yeah. So that that's working from home. What about tips for staying connected outside of work? Because we, you, it's not like quarantine at home only during work yeah. hours. It's just basically just stay home, at least here in Washington. The order is stay home, stay safe. Yep. So unless you need to pick up food or need to go to a doctor, stay home. Obviously, that means don't go visit your brother. Don't go visit grandma. Don't go visit the parents. Kind of stay in. People need to stay connected, though. So what tips do we have to help people stay connected to their loved ones when they physically need to be apart? One thing that we did that I saw other people doing as well is doing either group FaceTime chats mm-hmm. or Zoom chats and basically saying, hey, you know, just send a text message out to your family, your friends, whoever it might be. Hey, who wants to have a video chat this time, you know, this Friday at 4 p.m.? Let's all, whoever can make it, let's do it. I've done that. I've also done chats with some of my creator friends who are just like, hey, let's catch up or let's play a multiplayer video game and do a group chat and just relax and catch up. What have you guys been doing? Hey, am I allowed to do some shameless self-promotion at this point? If it answers the question. Okay, cool. So, well, actually, it's interesting that you brought this up because we were talking about this off air. I am actually going to be launching a daily chat with some of my friends in the tech space and the creator space. And that's going to be hosted through my Twitch channel. And it's going to be every day at six o'clock central time. So do the math for your own time zone. And basically, it's just going to be Hey, me and John will get together and we'll sit and chat and maybe we'll uh, or not maybe, but we'll watch the chat and we'll answer questions from people that decide to show up and, you know, ask us whatever. So stuff like that. So, I mean, that's one thing that I'm going to be doing personally to stay connected with uh, to stay connected with my friends in the tech space. See, I've been in this industry for so long that most of my friends are actually like Andrew Edwards and John Rettinger. Like, I've never actually met you in person. Right. So, I did your podcast like, in person at CES well, two okay, years ago. One, yeah, I know. I met, oh, you, you I met you once in person two years ago. <laughs> so not exactly the foundation of a traditional friendship, as one might say it. But my daughter has actually been doing Zoom chats with her gymnastics team. Nice. They've actually, since the gymnastics gym got closed because of all this, they've been doing Zoom-based workouts where they all get together and do uh, like conditioning and stuff. Because the thing about being in gymnastics is if you don't condition, you will fall apart very quickly. Mm. So she's been doing that. So they do a meeting and then they can see each other and they just like kind of practice they're yeah they work on their stretching they work on some okay. of their skills like whatever skills that they can do my daughter has a beam and a kit bar in mm-hmm. our house which is not big enough for a beam and a kit bar i would like to point that out but she has them anyway so she can she can still work on some of those skills but she's been doing that my son he's been doing zoom but his zoom is called Fortnite. so he's <laughs> been he's been playing Fortnite for like hours and hours with his friends and that's like that's how he's always hung out right. like even before all this that's how he used to hang out with his buddies and then yeah we've been in the adult space my wife and i we had like a regular card game that we used to go to every friday night which we haven't been able to do for like a month yeah and it's always been a great way to just chill out hang out drink a crap load and uh you know wake up saturday with a headache but we haven't been able to do that we've been trying to figure out a way to do that because like zoom meetings video. are yeah do it like with a zoom meeting but the thing about cards is 
you can't like, oh, here's this card that I'm going to put down over here. And like, that's not tenable. So we're trying to find some other way that we can do that. If only there was some electronic way that you could play cards over the Internet. We don't play traditional card games. (laughs) So if we played like hearts, yes, that would be a lot easier. But (laughs) but if if you happen to know of a website where you can play Liverpool Rummy, please let me know. So. I can look up a website first to tell me what Liverpool Rummy is. Yes, exactly. and then and then we can figure it out. <laughs> exactly. We're fairly sure that this is a card game that a friend of mine invented on his own back in high school. We can't prove it, but we suspect we strongly yeah. suspect it because we've never been able to find an online resource for it. <laughs> but anyway, so that's that's kind of our our thing. That's how we're staying connected, which is to say we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. John, where you at with from my standpoint, it's it's been mostly like everybody else, you know, FaceTiming or duo calls with, with family at night, you know, group duo calls, just the best way I can to stay in touch. My grandparents are 90 and 91 and are in a retirement home, mm-hmm. not a nursing home. So they're just, yeah, they have their own condo. Yeah. You know, and it's scary for them, right? Of course. You know, it's scary for us, but for that demographic, this is terrifying. Right. So they're on complete lockdown. So trying to try to talk to them as regularly as I can. I'm just trying to keep things as normal for my kids. That's been the struggle is trying to keep things normal for them and try to explain to them what's going on. I don't think lying to them makes sense. Mm -hmm. Who knows what they'll hear on TV. Right. So that's been a struggle. But thank goodness this is happening now, right? The age of the Internet. Imagine this was 25 years ago. True. This would be a very different thing, right? We'd all be at home watching VHS tapes and that would be the end of it. As a society, we are so much better prepared for this than we were with like previous pandemics. I mean, when you consider like back in the 1800s, we're so much more informed about things like this these days. Back in the 1800s, if somebody's horse died from one town to the next, the next town had no idea anything was going on. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's like not even just being connected and we just have so much technology that is designed to keep us at home. And and maybe maybe for a bad thing several months ago, but now it's been kind of a blessing, honestly. Yeah. I will say I'm people have two choices. I think people were gonna come out either looking like the people from Wally or come out looking <laughs> jacked. Um, I've been trying to get myself in shape. Yeah. I've got behind me a very seldom used elliptical. I got some weight. So I've, I've been trying to come out of this looking uh, nice shredded as my old fat body can uh, can get. So it's a good opportunity to get in shape too, right? I've been we're going to start calling you six pack John. <laughs> six pack of beer John uh, is more like it. So yeah, those are some tips. Those are some quick tips working from home, staying connected. Before we get out of here, one final topic back on the mobile phone front. Okay. Samsung is experiencing, I mean, we've seen this with a lot of different industries. People are less apt to buy things that they don't necessarily need right now. So things like the Samsung Galaxy S20, which just came out, isn't selling as well as it would have if this whole COVID-19 thing wasn't happening currently. Oh, you said it, now you're demonetized. (laughs) Well, this is luckily... Luckily, this is a podcast. So (laughs) what Samsung is doing to kind of combat this is they are guaranteeing an amount that they will buy your device back for within 24 months. And it's it's a not insignificant amount, too. 50%, right? Not at all. 50%. So basically what you're looking at here is if you buy an S20 from Samsung directly or the Samsung app. So it has to be coming from them, not anywhere else or a third party. The S20, which sells for $1,000, 
if you return a device in good condition within 24 months, Samsung will give you a $500 credit. The S20 Plus, 128 gigs, $600 credit. The S20 Plus, 512 gigs, $675 credit. The S20 Ultra, $700 credit. And then the S20 Ultra at 512 gigs, $800 in credit. That's not nothing. Not bad at all. Especially for a phone that you use for two years, because if you were to sell on your own, especially an Android device after two years, getting half what you paid for it is near impossible. Yeah, right. And so this is kind of a guarantee saying, hey, if you need to upgrade your phone or if you want to upgrade your phone and you're worried about losing value, if you buy it directly from us, we promise that this is what we will pay. We'll pay you back if you return your device to us in good condition within 24 months. What do you guys think? That's amazing. It really I think is. it's amazing. And I think yeah. that's will alleviate a lot of the fear from people from, from buying phones. Do you think it'll encourage people to buy phones? Yeah, that's the question. There's a difference between alleviating fear from buying phones and encouraging people yeah. to buy phones. That's a very it's a subtle but important difference. Will it encourage people to buy phones? I don't think so. I, I want to say Samsung's probably about a year late on this particular deal. Mm. So if if this deal had been in place last year, then I could see a lot of people saying, well, hey, I got this S10 that I bought. Maybe I could knock 500 bucks off the price of an S20. Let's do that. So I could definitely see that. So it's definitely for the forward looking crowd, which is it's incredible. And like you said, try to sell any Android phone two years later for half the cost. That's just you're not going to get it. You you'll get maybe a couple hundred bucks if that. So. Yeah, this is a great deal, and I think this will be a great deal a year from now or two years mm-hmm. from now. I don't think right now it's going to encourage people to to buy phones because I think this is just a really bad time to try to <laughs> to try yeah. to encourage people to buy phones. Unless, of course, you're getting a nice fat stimulus check, baby. Then you can, you know, we could pay <laughs> the mortgage. Back, put, it, put it back out in the economy. We could pay the mortgage, but honey, look, I can get fifty percent off this phone. <laughs> Right. I can, or 50% back for this phone. Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. Getting half the amount back on your phone within two years. I don't know the economics of this. I'm just throwing this idea out there versus saying, you know what? Across the board, there's no guarantee of what we're going to buy it back for. But across the board, we're just cutting the price of the phone by $300 of all phones. That would probably go farther I towards. Think, I think that would encourage much more phones. Yeah, that would. Is that, that would a is that phones. a bad business idea? Is that undercutting the value, the mental value of the phone? I'm nodding my head. Yes, <laughs> in agreement. So I don't think when phones first come out that there's three hundred dollars of profit built into those phones. Right. Right. I think may, maybe right. six to eight months they sold a lot of them. They've recouped all that R and D cost. Then maybe there is, but that they plan on making that money by dropping the cost of the phones. Obviously, consumers would love it. I think it would hurt pipeline. It would hurt R&D. I think it would hurt development of new devices, especially pushing technology forward. Mm-hmm. And it also resets expectations. Yeah. You know, phone companies had to work hard to set $1,000 as an expected price point for a phone. And then 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14, you drop that down 300. You're not coming back from it. Right. Not for a long time. And I do want to say that I actually disagree. I think now actually phone manufacturers will have an easier time selling phones. But I think maybe the era of flagship phones is perhaps coming to an end ah. where people Ooh. are thinking, I, I, you know, I have to spend a thousand dollars plus if I want to get a phone. People might be thinking, well, you know, maybe just even though it looks like an iPhone eight, it's got the iPhone 11 specs. That's probably good enough for me mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the Snapdragon 765 might be 30 percent slower than the 865, but it's got 5G built in. And I'm getting most of what I want. 
but I can save half the price of the phone. It's basically the right. OnePlus business model. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think you might see those type of phones, uh, Motorola's, and I don't know what OnePlus is going to price their next phones at. Pixel 4a. Pixel 4a. Even rumors mm-hmm. of the Pixel 5 going 765. Right, right. Yeah. Might be the time where those phones start to get maybe more mass market appeal than for folks maybe who just either couldn't afford it or didn't want to spend the money. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good discussion. Curious, if you're listening, let us know what you're doing with your phone purchases. Are you keeping what you've already had? Are you buying something new? Are you going flagship? Are you going something else? Find us on Twitter. Let us know. Hit us up. But yeah, that's it for this episode. Adam, we want to thank you again for joining us, for guesting, thank you, thank you. for giving us your time. Let people know once more, one more time me. where they can find you. Okay, so on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me personally at Dead Technology. However, my newly launched podcast is called Benefit of the Dowd, and you can find that on Twitter at Benefit of Dowd. You can find it on the web at BenefitOfTheDowd.com. And damn you, Twitter, for limiting us to 15 characters and a Twitter username because I was like too short. But yeah, so you can subscribe on if you go to benefitofadow.com slash subscribe, you can find links to Pocket Cast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. When it finally shows up, Google, I'm looking at you. It's been 96 hours and Spotify. We're on all the platforms. So, yeah, check us out. And it's a fun if you're familiar with my previous work. It's very similar, but there's a little bit of new mixed into there, too. So there you go. Fair. Yeah. So and Thank thanks you. for having me and thanks yes. for letting me chat. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening to Geared Up. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up, that's two words, not one, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at gearlive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.